0: America is back. Diplomacy is back. Well, you know... One minute. One minute. One minute. Okay. We are present everywhere, from Lithuania to the Sahel, to Afghanistan, to Iraq, to Lebanon.
1: War and Peace, a podcast by the International Crisis Group. Welcome back to War and Peace, a podcast of the International Crisis Group. I'm your host, Olga Oliker, speaking to you from Brussels.
2: And I'm your co-host, Hugh Pope. Normally in Brussels, but joining you today from Turkey.
1: Angela Merkel, a woman who has, over the course of uh, her career, become something of a symbol of modern Europe, for good and for ill, depending on whom you ask, is on her way out. She is stepping down as chancellor, and moreover, the German federal elections in September have put an end to the dominance of her party, the CDU, potentially pretending great changes for Germany at home and abroad. Now forming a new German government are three parties, the SPD, the Greens, and the Liberals. What will happen when they form a government? Still unclear.
2: Many outside Germany are watching too. A Europe without Merkel is uncharted and unsettling territory, a new big change after the loss of Britain through Brexit. The outgoing chancellor is well regarded throughout the continent, a trusted leader, a bridge builder, and someone who talked and above all listened to other leaders from other countries. Germany's new leader may find it hard to keep papering over the EU's cracks. The new government will also be taking charge at a time of tremendous shifts. What will happen to Germany's traditional alliance with the United States? What will this mean for relations with Russia and China? And will Germany continue to act at times as the EU's engine and at times as its anchor?
1: Two, perhaps not... Uh, definitively answer these questions, but at least to talk through some of them. We have uh, asked somebody very qualified and um, very knowledgeable to join us uh, on War and Peace for a conversation about the future of Germany, the future of Europe, and uh, their role in the world. This person is Jana Puyleren. Jana is the head of the European Council on Foreign Relations Berlin office uh, and a senior policy fellow there. She writes on a variety of European political and security issues, and we are incredibly grateful to her for joining us. Jana thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. So foreign policy was not a big topic uh, during the election campaign, and yet Germany has been so crucial to European foreign policy. Is this the shape of things to come or was it just election campaigns and Germany will come back once uh, the new government is formed? So I
0: think it's quite normal for German election campaigns that foreign policy doesn't matter that much. It has never been seen as a decisive topic for the outcome of the election, maybe with the one exception of Gerhard Schröder and the Iraq war. So it's not a new phenomenon that we don't talk about foreign policy in the election campaign. I personally saw this as a missed opportunity also to steer the debate uh, on some of these topics, but I think it was deliberate decision made by politicians and also journalists because they assumed that this wouldn't make them win the election or that this would not be uh, interesting enough for, for the German broader public. And But looking at the foreign policy topics, I think it is more than us not talking about it during the election campaign. It is now also the fact that basically foreign policy security policy defense policy development policy the whole human rights issue all those topics were grouped in one basket basically and currently one working group deals with all of those topics and it's one working group amongst 22 so that gives you an idea yeah where the priorities are but when you look at the new traffic light coalition also Rumors in Berlin say that there is not a huge interest in the position um, of the foreign minister. So, of course, some politicians, I think, would be well suited and could also see themselves as foreign minister, but it's not um, be seen as a, an important ministry, as one of kind of the first ministries. That politicians would choose in order to have influence and yeah to, it's overall my take so far is that foreign policy I mean it's not irrelevant but it's not definitely not a priority for the new German incoming government
2: as it stands now. Jana, does that mean that there's actually not likely to be many arguments between the various parties as they approach foreign policy? Does it mean that uh, things are going to go more smoothly than we expect?
0: So actually, I'm wondering about this because, and I can say this publicly, because yesterday evening, I joined a panel with one of the members of the negotiating team on foreign policy, a social democrat. And she told me that, yes... they finished the negotiations for that day on time and that the whole process was going very well and very smoothly. And I was actually looking at her wondering because I had assumed that there are many critical and open questions because uh, when you look at the party programs, the parties are not aligned on many topics. First and foremost, I think when it comes to all things defense-related, so the role of the Bundeswehr the money that Germany should spend on defense, the question of nuclear sharing. All these topics are, I had thought, (laughs) not really, um, yeah, a consensus in the new incoming coalition. Uh, Same is true with regard to Germany's new China policy or kind of how to approach Russia. So, I think that there are many issues that are still to be discussed and that are also quite controversial and that will be disputed. But overall, the process so far seems to be very smooth and professional. And there aren't that many leaks, which is a bad thing for us think tankers and journalists, but I think a good sign for the coalition.
1: The fact that there's a certain um, deprioritization of foreign policy does not necessarily mean that there will be no foreign policy uh, or... Does it? I mean, do you see Germany actually taking a step back in uh, its historically very prominent role on these issues? Or do you just um, see it as uh, something that Germany will keep doing, but perhaps uh, that the government itself may not see as the center of its platform?
0: So I think this is not so much a matter of choice, even if Germany is not interested so much or the new government in foreign policy. I think foreign policy will be very much interested in Germany. So Germany is at the heart of the European Union. I've heard from so many colleagues all over Europe that in their countries, people look at Germany because they think that it's a decisive player when it comes to the future of European um, defense, but also the overall question whether Europe will be able to have uh, some sort of consistent and united China policy. Um, So I think there will be a lot of pressure on Germany in the beginning, looking at the G7 presidency and all of this to hit the ground running on foreign policy. At the same time, I think, and this is my personal opinion, this new government, I mean, at the moment, they try to create something that is more than the sum of its parts. So this traffic light coalition is not... A match basically made in heaven, a marriage of love, but uh, it's a forced marriage. So the FDP, I think, was not really heartfelt in the very beginning, um. So, But Olaf Scholz now has said, and the Greens have said this too, and the FDP, they really want to make it work. They want to make it lasting, and they want to create something like a narrative or something like a mission for them that is really not just, I don't know, pragmatism, and we need to do this because, yeah, it's in the numbers, but because we we really want to create something. And. The project that I see is modernizing Germany, but it's a domestic project. It's about digital infrastructure, our infrastructure more broadly. It's about investments. It's about making Germany greener, making the economy more um, sustainable. All I see, it's a reform project that is focused on Germany domestically and not so much on changing Germany's foreign policy. Of course, there are nuances, and the Greens certainly have um, other priorities and want also to break free from the Merkel years, the FDP as well. But I think we will see a hell lot of continuity looking at German foreign policy.
2: Jana, we've talked a lot about processes and, and party doctrines and things, but what about personalities? It seems that Angela Merkel's personality had an extraordinary role in making her the um, lodestar for for Europe, Uh, at least uh, after 16 years. She certainly had become that way. Does Olaf Scholz have a a personality that is going to impose itself, that we're going to feel a different kind of leader in in Germany and in Europe?
0: I think Germany's power in Europe is not only a matter of uh, the personality of the chancellor, but it's um, structural. So Germany, because of its sheer size and power, I think will be a decisive player in the European Union. But of course, Angela Merkel, she managed to be the big uh, compromise machine, I would say, to bring everybody to the table. And she also made it a priority not to leave countries behind, but to hear them, to include them. Also, to an extent that I sometimes found it very painful to watch when it came to countries that violate the rule of law. But she never tired to emphasize that we need to, to keep the club together. I think Olaf Scholz is not that far apart from Merkel in an attempt to uh, be pragmatic and to to try to find a compromise. And I think it's Germany's traditional role to be the central power in Europe that tries to keep the strings together. However, I would say that especially looking at the Greens and the Liberals when it comes to certain, be it foreign policy portfolios like China or Russia or be it internal European questions like how to deal with Poland and Hungary and other countries currently violating the rule of law principle in Europe, I see a bigger readiness to be a bit more hawkish and to put more pressure on those countries and to have a tougher position and a tougher communication, a tougher stance. But I don't see, I mean, I still see the attempt coming from Germany, especially from a Chancellor Scholz, to bring everybody on board, but I think maybe to a bit lesser extent than under Angela Merkel. All parties have previously emphasized that, especially on foreign policy, there is not enough progress. One needs to move forward with uh, kind of coalitions of the willing inside the European Union.
1: So how does that work, for instance, vis-a-vis Russia What does a um, more hawkish approach to Russia from Germany look like? So Russia, I think, is a tough one because here I think the
0: internal dynamics inside the traffic light coalition will play against each other. The Greens obviously have a very critical position vis-a-vis Russia. They see basically a fully-fledged autocracy and they see the erosion of civil society and they want to do something about this. They were um, opposing the Nord Stream 2 project wholeheartedly. And with the liberals, it's Similar, so they they wanted a moratorium, but they were regarding Nord Stream two, but they were equally critical, and both of them they emphasise yeah the the democracy aspect or the lack thereof basically, uh, human rights situation in Russia. But at the other side uh, of the coalition, you have the SPD, the number one supporter of the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I mean, they invented the whole project. They defended it. Um, they are defending it now. They want to follow through. And the SPD is still the party of the Ostpolitik. And that was the biggest foreign policy success in their history. And although the party has come a long way ever since 2014, there is still some natural inclination to seek dialogue with Russia, to seek, I mean, dialogue for dialogue's sake, I would say sometimes to have a policy of engagement and to try to find ways to cooperate with Russia. So I think we will, and I think these two positions will basically clash and it's not, I mean, where you land is, I think, basically a lot of continuity and not so much change no because the f- forces are opposing each other are blocking each other to a certain extent. War and Peace, a podcast by the International Crisis
1: Group. You're listening to War and Peace, a podcast of the International Crisis Group, and we're talking to Jana Puderin about the future of Germany. So Continuity, but we have I mean, just I want to push on this point a little bit longer because what we actually have seen in the Russian German relationship recently is a certain amount of discontinuity in that the Russians have not been as appreciative, let's say, of uh, Germany as they might have been in the past and have actually turned quite hawkish towards Berlin. And I would imagine that the coalition you describe will actually will have less patience with this. Do you agree? I certainly hope so (laughs) from my
0: personal perspective, but, you know, I think Russia has been changing for a while now with the poisoning of Navalny, with the murder in the Tiergarten, and Germany has missed a lot of opportunities to harden its position and to rework its approach. And so I'm just highly skeptical to put too many hopes on the new German government. And also, I think any new German government would definitely emphasize the EU level and try to bring um, other European countries on board and to find a new European compromise. And what I actually could imagine is that France and President Macron, if re-elected with his positions on Russia, finds some sort of like-minded ally uh, with Chancellor Scholz in the chancellery in the future. That's what I would i would guess actually
2: talking about difficult eastern neighbors uh, the, another country where it's possible that the new german government may be tougher is is of course turkey chancellor merkel was extremely uh, ready to reach out and uh, remain till the end willing to negotiate all kinds of compromises with Turkey. do you think that will continue this is
0: also i think that remains to be seen i mean When it comes to Turkey, there is a very special relationship uh, vis-a-vis Germany because of the huge Turkish minority in Germany, especially in, in Berlin, and because of the whole issue of migration. And so I think here, again, the Greens and the FDP are likely to have a much tougher position and be much more critical with Turkey. And, I mean, recently... When it came to um, Osman Kavala, the German government was quite outspoken and, and critical. And so I think that especially looking at, again, the Greens and the FDP, there will be a lot of push for... Yeah, questioning, for example, the EU Turkey migration deal, uh, which was never loved uh, by the Greens, which was very much criticized. And within the Green Party, there are very outspoken critics of Mr. Erdogan, not of the country. So the Green Party traditionally was very open to the idea of including Turkey inside the European Union. But there is definitely a huge problem with this current government and it's the coalition published a 12-pager presenting basically the first common ground of of the coalition negotiations. And what you saw in there was a recognition that there is basically um a systemic rivalry or conflict between democracies and autocracies going on. And I think this is a red line that will be visible in this coalition and in its foreign policy vis-a-vis countries like Turkey, like Russia, like China. And you will have at least two parties in the coalition that will always push for a tougher approach. But I think as long as Turkey under Erdogan is not moving closer to the European Union again, and I don't see the situation improving. But at the other hand, like a pragmatic chancellor and I think common sense looking at the overall situation also in Germany, I think also calls for having the best possible relationship with Turkey, after all, because it's a member of NATO, it's geopolitically important, it's important when it comes to migration. So I see basically also here maybe a lot of continuity with maybe not so much the Merkel line, but this attempt to try to walk this fine line between criticizing Turkey, but also finding ways of engagement.
1: You're describing a very balanced, very careful foreign policy. I wonder how feasible that is in a world where things change very rapidly, where bellicosity seems to be uh, be becoming more and more popular, where militaries are a preferred tool of foreign policy. Can Germany walk this line? To be honest, I don't see Germany prepared for this world because still, and
0: especially also under this new government, uh, you will hear a lot of emphasis coming from Berlin on the rule of law, on the rules-based international order, on multilateral approaches, on international organizations and institutions. And I think Berlin is well aware that this whole system is very much under pressure for a while now and that it doesn't stop, but I think Germany is ready to wholeheartedly buy into this great right, power competition. It's kind of rules of the jungle and not kind of the law that decides international relations. With looking at the new government, I especially, I'm curious t- to learn how they will solve the their relationship with hard security, the Bundeswehr, military power in general, because, I mean, of course, the Greens have come a long way, starting with Joschka Fischer and Kosovo and and also looking at um, Afghanistan and that it was basically a red-green coalition back then that decided to yeah, send German soldiers not only to Kosovo but then also to Afghanistan. It's still the Greens have a healthy skepticism when it comes to to the all things military. And that is also true for the SPD. So I think within the party... A lot of people are skeptical when it comes to military means. And of course, recent events like the disaster in Afghanistan, the withdrawal, and the, the horrible uh, pictures, and, and also kind of the, the lack of success when it comes to kind of the military interventions of the past, be it in Iraq, um, yeah, Afghanistan, but also looking at the situation in Libya. I think. In Berlin, there might be limited appetite uh, for military interventions in the future. So, yeah, I'm really wondering how this coalition, also during the negotiations now, will define its relationship with military power, with the Bundeswehr. We know that the Greens and the SBT are opposing the idea to spend 2% on defense, but they have, they are on record saying that they want a functioning Bundeswehr. And, But I think this is... This remains to be seen, and I think it will be more crisis-driven than basically designed from scratch. So I don't see the new government coming in and presenting its their worldview. And I see it more developing over time and through the possible crises that we will see and where Germany needs to react.
1: And what does that mean for how Germany responds to... The tension, the evolving relationship between the United States and China, and kind of the United States' very strong desire to develop a coalition to at least in some ways push back uh, against um, China's growing global role. Is Germany on board? And if Germany's on board, how is it on board? I think that is still an open question. So in the 12
0: pager, you saw a commitment to NATO and the transatlantic relationship, equally a commitment to uh, European integration and the EU. These are the traditional pillars of German foreign policy. And I don't see the traffic light coalition radically changing their approach towards the United States. But over the past years, a lot, I think, in the debate kind of about the United States has changed in, in Germany. And I think the AUKUS decision and Afghanistan are just two recent examples that made a lot of people in Berlin realize that even under the Biden administration Europe is no longer a priority and that when in doubt the United States yeah decides according to what they see as their narrowly defined national interest and so you hear a lot in Berlin ever since Joe Biden was elected who knows for how long that will last and the kind of looming scenario of a new Trump presidency in 2024 what I think is already obvious from the 12 pager is that they will emphasize uh, European sovereignty a lot. And I think that will be their attempt to answer many of those questions. So in that section on foreign policy, the first part is about European sovereignty and how the EU needs to become a stronger player internationally when it comes to foreign policy, to defense policy, security policy. And so I think the, Possible coalition when it comes to China and the United States will try to work closely with the United States, but be with kind of some sense of caution and uh, having in mind always this 2024 scenario and always also, yeah, having this idea of we have a lot in common, but we are not completely like minded and the EU needs to have its own approach. It's not about equidistance, I think, but it's about. Giving more of an international role and to the EU and making the EU a more capable player.
2: You've talked about multilateralism, John, and you've talked about Germany wanting European Union to be a, a stronger player. But uh, is that really the direction of travel of the EU? Do you see the EU becoming a stronger player? It seems to someone like me, somehow the the, the, the weight is uh, the weight of European decision making is moving increasingly to national capitals. So can Germany turn back this tide? Does it want to?
0: I think the traffic light coalition definitely wants to. I don't know if they succeed in doing this. And as I said previously, I think that the new German government would look into forming coalitions with like-minded actors in foreign policy, more so than in security and defense policy. I think where Germany's approach is still very much working through institutions. But yeah, I mean, it, it remains to be seen, but I think that is definitely what the traffic light coalition will try to achieve to make the EU a more coherent actor. And but it's, I mean, they can help to to make this realize because looking at China, for example, Germany's approach towards China was not especially Europeanized in the past. So I think here a new German government can actually make a difference because yeah, it's the biggest player in Europe when it comes to dealing with China. A lot of other countries have been highly critical with uh, Germany's approach. I'm actually more optimistic than when it comes to Russia and maybe even Turkey that uh, we will see maybe still a lot of continuity but more uh, of a different approach because the debate on China in Germany is currently changing. The threat that China poses is much more debated than two years ago only. So public opinion is shifting. And also the BDI, the Association of the German Industry, um, has published a, a remarkable paper two years ago. And ever since, they doubled down on their, yeah, let's put it hawkishness on China or on their criticism. They see the problem of being overly dependent. They want to diversify. They think that there is not enough reciprocity and so i see the overall debate on china changing the broader basically berlin bubble uh, talk changing and i see china changing in its approach towards europe putting a lot of pressure also on germany so here i could see i could see some new impetus coming from from berlin in the future and maybe a more european one than uh, in the past
1: I feel we've barely scratched the surface and we are just about out of time. Jenna, I think there's so much more that we could discuss and it will be really fascinating to watch all of this as it develops. But for now, I'm going to have to say just thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciated your insights and your time. Thank you. It was my pleasure. So, if you audience members uh, would like to keep up with uh, Jana's work um, and the work of the European Council on Foreign Relations, you can do that. You should follow Jana on Twitter. It's at J A N A underscore P U G L I E R I N. And you can find the ECFR on your friendly neighborhood worldwide web, www.ecfr.eu.
2: And for Crisis Group's work on Europe and its neighbours, check out the regional pages on the left-hand side of our website, crisisgroup.org. And next month, after the new German government takes office, we hope at Crisis Group to publish a list of several priorities, some of which we've discussed just now, for the new government, uh, more in our typical area of Crisis and Conflict Prevention, Resolution and Mitigation.
1: So to keep up with all of that, you should follow Crisis Group and you should follow Hugh and me on Twitter. Crisis Group is at Crisis Group, Hugh is at Hugh underscore Pope, and I'm at Olya Oliker. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram where Crisis Group is also at Crisis Group.
2: Also, please feel free to tweet at us with any suggestions you have for uh, War and Peace. We will be looking out for them. You can also message us on podcast at christscript.org And we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review as well on your favorite platform.
1: War and Peace is a partner in a network of podcasts focused on Europe, Europod. You should check them out and you should listen to the others. And a
2: big thanks from us to producer Bool Media and to our coordinator, Finn Dunbar-Johnson, who helped Oli and I get to the starting line every fortnight.
1: The biggest thanks. Today, as always, are to you, our listeners. Looking forward very much to chatting with you again in two weeks. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye. War and Peace, a podcast by the International Crisis Group.